At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 720th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your local food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who knows the value of having the right tools in the right condition for our farming jobs. We're talking with Chris Sabrise about tools and farming. Chris is the marketing, communications, and social media director for Corona Tools, a leading global brand and manufacturer of quality garden and landscape tools since 1928. He joined the organization in 2010 and manages the brand experience with end users across all forms of digital and print media. Chris also serves as the executive director of GardenCom, a nonprofit membership organization made up of green industry communication professionals. Welcome to the show today, Chris. Are you ready to rock? I am ready to go, Greg. Thanks for having me on your podcast today. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure thing. I I will tell you, it is a rather interesting path. My experience before coming to Corona was actually in the audio technology sector. Really? It has absolutely nothing to do with gardening, but the the economy in 2008, 2009, economy was really bad. I worked for the organization for about 14 years and was eventually let go because of the economy. And I was in a period of not working and trying to figure out what the heck, what was the next thing that I was going to do. And one of the things that happened to come up was Corona. I actually saw back in the day when you actually had newspapers and there were still want ads that you could see. Right. There was Corona. And I'm like, why do I know? Corona tools. Corona tools. Yes. Yeah. And I looked at it and I'm like, I'm looking at the logo going, I know I've seen this before. I, I don't know where I've seen this. And All of a sudden, when I start putting two and two together, I realize that these are the garden tools that I were actually using. And I never connected the dots that Corona Tools was actually in Corona, California. I was so excited and so jazzed. And so during this period that I was trying to find a role in a position, I started learning more about social media because that was the way that everybody was saying, if you want to find a job, it's you got to go through social media. So that's when I really started to dive into that and learn how this social media was working at that time. Totally different game than it is today. Right. I started a freelance company that I was going to teach organizations or businesses how to do social media with the intent of, I'm going to help you find the right person, hire that person. And I was going to have a consulting business. Turns out that when I looked at that position that was available at Corona, I didn't get that position, but I kept in contact with the, the guy who was the vice president of marketing at that point. And I said, hey, just so you know, your competition is on social media. You really should be on social media. Let me put together a program and I will do it for you for free because as a 
entrepreneur. I wanted to get my business off the ground and I thought, gosh, if I can have a national brand on my resume, that's just phenomenal. Big time. He let me do it. He knew nothing about it. I put together a package and started working on this for them and getting it set up. Lo and behold, within about three months, he realized the value of social media and apparently must have liked me too. decided, <laughs> hey, Chris, we need to have you on board. So I actually joined the organization after that. So a long, weird path of how I got to where I am today, but I am absolutely grateful. Things are just always serendipitous and you just end up where you need to be. And that's where I feel that opportunity was just such a great opportunity for me to, I could not pass it up. Yeah, it happened magically. You gotta love that. It did. And Corona Tools, what are they? Corona Tools is a manufacturer, a brand that started off in the citrus industry. I don't know if your listeners are actually being able to view the video, but my background here shows an orange orchard or an orange grove. Sorry about that. This is where we got started. I don't know that a lot of people actually know this story. I'll give you a quick rundown on how Corona got started. It was back in 1928. In this area, this was the first area where citrus was introduced, and they were starting to grow it here. It proliferated here in Southern California, and they wanted to take that fruit and send it all over the country. So they would send it across the country, but the way they were harvesting the fruit, it would be damaged by the time they put it on a train, and it would take two weeks to get to the East Coast. And by the time they got there, half of it was rotten. They couldn't sell it for a premium price. And... It was a school teacher who was also a blacksmith, had noticed how they were harvesting the fruit and thought, gosh, if I can create this tool that will help them harvest the fruit correctly, they came up with this handcrafted tool. He pounded it out out of metal, put the thing together, and by gosh, that tool helped them harvest the fruit properly. They were able to ship fruit back east and it would show up in prime condition. And it really fueled the, what we call California's second gold rush, which was the citrus industry. And from that one tool, which we actually still make, we've gone into, I, I think last count was probably about 300 different tools that we make for both the agricultural professional as well as the landscape professional, the homeowner who has a garden in the landscape. It just has proliferated into all these other tools in other areas. So <clears throat> for anything that you possibly think of that you use outdoors, if it's hand-powered, Corona has a tool for that. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, I know that I only ever buy Coronas for myself, and I've been doing that for decades. So when we met at GardenCom here a couple of months ago, a GardenCom conference, I was really excited to chat with you there and get you on the podcast. So thanks. I'm glad we had that opportunity to meet and uh, glad to have this opportunity today. Yeah. And so what should a person look for when deciding on the best tool to buy? Now I'm talking about home gardeners. One of the things that people don't really think about when they go in to purchase a tool is what is the actual use that they're doing and trying to find the right tool for it. They generally find a tool and say, oh, I need to do this job. They go find a tool and it's not necessarily the right one for it. So certainly when they're thinking about the activities that they're doing, you want to find a tool that is best for that. And Corona has a lot of resources in terms of videos and those types of things to help educate people during the tool selection process. It's so important. For example, if you're cutting a branch on a tree and you need a hand pruner, a lot of people will walk into a home supply store or a garden supply store and they'll mm -hmm. just buy something that says, oh yeah, I, the branch I need to cut is about an inch in diameter. So that's what I'm going to use. I need a hand printer that will do that. But they're not really thinking about necessarily the size of their hand. They may have smaller hands 
and a pruner that size is going to hurt their hand if they're trying to make cuts that large. So you wanna make sure that you're getting a tool that is the right size for your hand, fits your hand, and is gonna be comfortable. And one, it's not gonna damage you or injure you, but it, you're not gonna injure the tree and you're going to be able to make the most cleanest, healthiest cuts. All that is what's needed when you're considering which tool you need to purchase. And another thing is what diameter of branch are you cutting as well? Because using a smaller tool on a bigger branch doesn't always work. Exactly. So we have this chart that we put out there for people is to actually measure the size of your hand. So when you're looking for a tool, you basically want to just measure from the bottom of your palm to the tip of your index finger. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to measure from one side of your, your palm to the other side. Yep. And that's going to help you decide which tool is going to fit best in your hand. So for example, if your hand is less than three and a quarter inches wide and the height is less than six and a quarter inches high, a half inch bypass pruner will definitely fit your hand. If it's three and a half to four inches wide and the height is six and a half to eight inches tall, then a three quarter inch pruner. If your hands are larger than four inches across and eight inches high, a one inch cutting capacity is perfect for you. If you, And then if you've got a smaller hand and you try to use that one inch cutting capacity, that just means that it's gonna take a lot of force and a lot of effort to make a cut. So at the end of the day, your hand is gonna be killing you. So if you get a smaller size pruner that's ideal for your hand, and it's still not big enough to cut that branch, then you can move up to say something like a lopper or a saw, which would be more appropriate to make that cut. And it's gonna save you a lot of time and aggravation. You're gonna have the right tool. And those are definitely things that you wanna keep in mind when you're purchasing a tool for the task at hand. I never even considered that the half inch bypass pruner would be for somebody with a smaller hand. It's something that people just don't think about. Since I've been working with Corona, it's like that is a story that we continually educate people on. Just because you need to cut a one inch branch doesn't mean that you should get a one inch pruner because it's just not the ideal tool for that particular individual. Interesting. And you've mentioned something called a bypass pruner. Let's distinguish that. Be between that and an anvil person? That is another thing that we are often educating people on is that you have to use the right tool for the job. And when you're making cuts on live fresh green stems, you wanna use a bypass pruner. And the reason for that is it's a bypass pruner has a blade, it's a cutting blade that goes past a non-cutting blade. And it's basically like a pair of scissors. You're making a nice clean cut. It's gonna be the best cleanest cut that'll allow the plant to heal. Now, if you were to do that using an anvil, hand pruner or a lopper, basically it's a blade that comes down on a flat anvil. So if you're using that on fresh green stems, you're likely to crush that as the, as the anvil comes down on the flat surface, it's going to crush it. And that's going to be susceptible to disease, pest, and it's not the right tool to use. So you wanna make sure that you're making the cleanest cuts. Now, when do you use an anvil pruner is a big question that a lot of people have. Why is, do they make them? Exactly, it's, and a lot of people will just interchange them and they think they're the same thing. The reason you use an anvil pruner is on dead wood, hardwood, that if you try to make a cut with one of those using a bypass pruner, the way that the tool works is it literally can bend the blade around yep the branch so that you end up damaging the blade and it possibly could snap the blade. It could come back at you. So it's like you, this is one of those cases where 
you always want to use the right tool for the job. And I can tell you, one of the first things that when I first came to Corona, I was using a, a big lopper and I was cutting a dead rose cane that had died and was so hard. It was like cutting a stone. And I'm sitting there trying to get make this cut and I'm grinding on it and I'm torquing on it. It ended up when I didn't, I couldn't even make the cut because it was so hard, but I bent the tool out of alignment and I rolled the edge of the blade so that it couldn't cut anymore. Those are the kinds of things that you literally can damage your tool if you're using the wrong one. So if you're cutting live wood, use a bypass pruner. Yes. Cool. And back in 2004, I was working part-time while I was in college at a nursery and we had somebody come in from some bypass pruner company and give a little bit lecture on it. And they had a ergonomic grip on the pruner so that when I squeezed the pruner, the grips actually moved. Can you tell us about ergonomics and how is that's important and why we should choose a handle like that? Yeah. Ergonomics is really everything when it comes to tools. When you go out to buy a tool, this is another thing that people don't necessarily look for, is that what is the fit? It's got to feel good in your hand. And so something like a forged aluminum pruner, this is one of the things that I love about more about the tools that we have, is that I learned about forged aluminum and what that process does is it allows you to really play with the geometry of the tool and how molds, how you can mold that and shape that metal so that it fits the contours of your hand. If you take something that is a solid piece of metal, and I've got one here that is just, it's very straight. It's very not a natural shape that should be in your hand. Now it's perfect for going out and making cuts throughout the day. If you're a professional, you're making thousands and thousands of cuts every day. Mm -hmm. It could end up hurting your hand. So with something like a forged aluminum with it, it's got ergonomic handles. That is going to give you the most comfortable fit. It's going to make sure that you're not fatigued at the end of the day. You don't have blisters. That's really what ergonomics is all about, especially as we age and we have issues with dexterity or carpal tunnel or those kinds of things. A ergonomic tool is going to feel much better and you're actually going to be able to do more with that. Awesome. So we have these tools. In fact, Janice, when you were on with her for her pre-call, you reminded her that she needed to have our tools sharpened. So let's talk about the maintenance of tools, disinfecting, cleaning, and sharpening. Yeah, that is a, whenever you're going out, you should always make sure that your tools are sharp. And that really depends on how often you're using them. We've got professionals who swear that every time they go out, they sharpen their tools. And some people who just say, I I just need to sharpen my tools once during the season and it's good to go. But sharpening your tools is actually a very easy process. Some people will take them to a professional shop, which is great if they wanna do that. But when you're out at the job site and you're trying to get work done and you feel like your tool's just not performing as well as it should, there's a little tool and I have a sample here. I'm actually gonna do a quick little demonstration. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but this is a tool sharpener that Corona has and it's a little carbide file. There's a little file on the end. Uh And you basically, you just take this tool, the sharpener, and you put it up against the pruning blade at the cutting side and you take four to five passes and then that's on the cutting side and then you just do once on the back side to remove any of the burrs and that is as that's it difficult as it is to sharpen a tool that's why i love to have these things i have wow. them all over my house i have them in my kitchen i have them outside in the toolbox 
And every time I go out, I just do this quick little sharpening and the tool is always sharp and ready to go. Now I do that as often as I need to, but like I say, some people will just, they'll do it every single time before they start using their tool. Wow. What's that called? So this tool is called a tool sharpener, not nothing fancy there. And this is probably the best investment that you can make for about, I think it's about $12. You can find them online. You can find them in the stores. I wow. highly recommend. I need to get me one of those. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's sharpening. Now, what about cleaning and disinfecting? Is there a need for that? Absolutely. So definitely if you are planting trees and you're going from one tree to the next, it is imperative that before you go from hop from one to the next is to disinfect your tools. And the best way to do that that I have found is to just keep some of those folded alcohol wipes. You've seen oh, yeah. them when you're in your first aid kit. Those are the perfect thing to just keep by your side. And as you move from tree to tree or bush, whatever you're out trimming, just wipe down the cutting blade, the non-cutting side, and that's going to disinfect your tool. A lot of folks will swear by using bleach or something to that effect. Here's why we do not recommend using bleach because bleach is actually a corrosive chemical oh, and over time it will break down the metal. You'll start to see it. You'll get little pits in the metal and it's going to break down the metal. So using something like an alcohol wipe or rubbing alcohol, the Two things that it does is it does disinfect, but it also dries completely. When people are putting the Clorox solution on there, it's a water-based solution. And what's the worst thing for metal is water. That's going to okay. help, help your tool get rusty. That's why I love the alcohol wipes. You don't have to worry about getting the tool dry because it will evaporate. Awesome. And Janice has an interesting question. She started a new question line for me, and she wants you to paint a mental picture for our listening audience describing one of these tools. Yeah, she talked about that. And one of the things that I mentioned to her that when Corona develops tools, especially like their forged steel tools, there's a signature sound that it makes. And I never really thought much about it. But this was a really interesting piece that there was a story in the LA Times and they interviewed Angelica Houston and she was talking about the fact that she goes out into her garden, she uses her Corona bypass shears and they mentioned this in the article and she's, and my gardener knows when I'm coming because he hears that twish every time I'm making a cut. And I never really thought about it, but there is this signature sound and, I, and you can hear that. And that is the sound to me of just progress that you're out there in the garden you're <laughs> making you're making a difference and it is that sound that is just very distinctive that you're out there working and you're working with a corona tool nice nice and and you have a friend in palm springs tell us about him yeah so one of the great things that i get to do at corona is not only am i the, the marketing communications guy i also get to be this historian of sorts and people will just anytime that there's a story about corona or somebody wants to share something they send it to me now mind you i got this email from somebody who just wrote into corona they sent it to me and i thought all right i got to follow up with him this is a man who claimed that he was homeless he had no place to go. Somehow he managed to find a Corona razor tooth saw and he started going out to people's homes and asking them, could they, could he prune their palm trees? Palm Springs, everybody has palm trees. Right. And what that did for that man, he said that he was able to start a business. He pulled himself out of poverty 
And he made a life out of having just that one tool. And those are the kinds of things that when I hear those types of stories, that's what gets me motivated. That's why I get out of bed every day is knowing that you're helping these people just everybody, whether it's you're making a difference for people to make it easier for them to do their jobs or to create opportunities like this man in Palm Springs. That's what just gets me excited. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to shift a little bit on you and go to Gardencom. I discovered Gardencom about a year and a half ago, and I've been at several of the virtual events and I'm really enjoying it. Can you tell us about Gardencom and why our listeners might be interested? Yeah, I appreciate that. Gardencom is an organization that has been around. They're actually celebrating their 75th anniversary next year. So that in itself is amazing. And these people, it's a membership organization and it's a nonprofit organization. The people who are involved are people who are out there who do the kind of work, whether they're in landscaping, whether they're in a experienced horticulturist, they may work at a botanical gardens or those kinds of things. And they're all out there to communicate the value of working outside and how to do gardening properly. These are people who are authors, they're they're podcasters, they're speakers, they're people who go out in the community and talk about how great the horticulture industry is, really just letting people know the value of gardening and why that's important and how to do that properly. So what Gardencom really is all about is just really connecting the industry with the actual individuals who are doing the work. And they do it in such a creative way. Like I said, there's just so many fantastic individuals who are part of this organization, which is why I signed on to be their executive director, because I see the potential in how this organization can grow as really the communications hub for the industry. As they start getting more members, then they're able to reach out to more people and letting them know whether it's the value or teaching them how to do things properly. And I think when you think about when you go online, how much information is out there, how much information is probably wrong or yeah. not not lead you to success where Gardencom really comes in and helps. Great. So if you're a garden professional, a writer, check out Gardencom because there's so many incredible resources there. What's the website? It's gardencom.org. Very easy. And one of the things I would say is that even if you're not necessarily somebody who is a speaker or a writer, this Mm -hmm. is an opportunity for you to say, hey, if you've been doing this for a long time and you aspire to be one of the speaker or somebody who wants to write a book, the connections that Gardencom offers, I can't tell you how many stories that I've heard. It starts with Gardencom. I had a discussion. I wrote a book. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. The virtual conference that just finished up, I had somebody call me and say, Chris, thank you so much. I had no idea that this about this community. I got my first book deal. And they weren't even somebody who was thinking about writing a book, but they just happened to go to pitch the editors. And here's this group of the industry's best editors. He pitched this idea. He had two people who want to purchase the rights to write his book. And that's the kind of stuff that Gardencom really excites me that we can facilitate that kind of stuff. Nice. And so it's for gardening communication professionals or or people that want to get into it. Right, exactly. All right, cool. Excellent. And Corona has some cool announcements for 2023. We do. And honestly, this is one that really excites me is they have a brand new series of tools that are coming out and it's called the X series. 
And these are, we talked a little bit about forged aluminum. And what makes me excited about this is it's the first tool that has come out that is, it's branded Corona. You cannot mistake it for a Corona tool. And the thing that I love is that these are forged aluminum. Not only are they very ergonomic and just really fit the contours of your hand, they're also lightweight. So it's another thing to think about when you're purchasing a tool. Some people don't realize the difference between forged aluminum and forged steel. The big difference there is that forged aluminum is much lighter weight. So while it will make a, a beautiful cut and clean, healthy cut, you don't have all the extra weight in your hand that a forged steel tool does. Going back, that goes back to the ergonomic and your comfort. I love that you, that Corona is working on comfort a lot. Yeah, it's something that Corona does a lot of individual research. We pay to have research done. We bring people in. We want to understand what are their pain points? What are they trying to do? What are their, really just understand the end user. It's not, we don't just make tools and say, here, go buy it. We create tools based on the user's needs. And I think that all helps in really just producing a tool that we know that is going to be a value to the end user. And I think one of the things with Corona that with this new tool, for example, all the tool companies do this. So it's not like this should be really anything that is like, wow, shocking news. We have another competitor that has a brand out there that they're considered the high end and we have their patents expire. So we created tools that would, we call them knockoffs and that they're the same design that literally you could swap out parts between one brand and the other. So that's how identical they are. But what Corona's realized is, you know what, we don't want tools that are the same as somebody else's. That's where they're coming up, wanted to come out with this line to say, these are Corona tools. We know what people want. We know what they're looking for. And I have something that is branded Corona because it's important that people, they have an affinity to a specific brand sometimes. And, it's, and that is something that I think people who love Corona want something that's going to make a good cut going to be a really good tool that's going to last them a long time. And that's really what the X series is all about. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And to find more information about Corona tools, your website. Yeah, just, it's very easy. Coronatoolsusa.com. You'll find everything that you need there. Excellent. And I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might've learned from it. <laughs> Wow. I've had a lot of failures in my life. I guess I could say that, but I think the biggest thing for me, and I don't know if it's a failure more than a regret, but here's what I will tell you is that in my, you know, I talked about the audio business that I was in for 14 years. And mm -hmm. I think I, I failed in that. It's like, I didn't necessarily believe in myself that I should move on to something and do something more. I literally sat there and over the years thinking, they notice the hard work. They notice, you know, what you're doing. They're going to promote you in the organization. And I really felt like that was just going to happen. Then come to find out that the economy changes and they let you go. And after 14 years, it's like, you're nowhere. And it's, and you got this horrible situation. And I felt bad that I felt like I failed because I have a family, I have obligations and here I am with no job. And I, I have to go out and create that. To me, that was something that I really felt like I should have done more. It was not a good situation. So what I learned from that was going through that process and I had to basically reinvent myself 
and as I mentioned, doing the whole social media thing. Yeah. And it led me to a whole new world. And honestly, what it taught me was I need to take risks. I need to do more and don't be afraid of it. I was able to believe in myself more that I can do these things. And that was, while it was a bad experience to go through, grateful for that experience because I really learned a lot. And what you did was very ingenious and entrepreneurial. You put together, you went to this company, Corona, you realized that if you could work with them, it would be great on your resume. So you put together a package just out of the blue and you gave it to them. Exactly. And magically they just jumped in and <laughs> wanted to work with you. And that was it. Is I really just wanted to learn from what it is that I could offer and there was value in what I could put together. And that really helped me believe in myself more and that I should take risks and it's a calculated risk, but that I could do these things and I could still be successful at that. And what do you consider your biggest? I will say, and I'm sure probably anybody on your podcast who you ever asked that question to, my biggest success was I really leveled up when I met my wife and we started our family. <laughs> right? Honestly, I have to say that is my biggest success that I actually got her to say yes. But aside from that, I really think that in as much as the failure was not planning and really doing things for myself, I think my biggest success was God, realizing that I can do these things and really believing in myself to be able to have these opportunities and make these opportunities. Don't wait for those opportunities to come find you, find them and find ways to make that work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amen to that. And what drives you? We, the story about the guy in Palm Springs, those kinds of th those great stories really propel me to get up every day. But it, at the end of the day, I always fashion myself as a, my, my love is marketing. I love to explore those opportunities. What ways can you really communicate or connect with somebody or help tell a story? Those kinds of, I just, I Absolutely love that. And it's funny because my daughter who just, she's a freshman in college, she's taking a communications course and she's like, oh, dad, I hate it. I just, it's so boring. And I'm like, how could this be boring? I absolutely love this. <laughs> Being able to come up with creative ways or use today's technology to really connect with people. And it's, that's something that I just, I love and feel passionate about. Nice. I can tell by the way you share about it. <laughs> If you could, I'm curious about this next question, what your answer is going to be. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? That book, I actually, I'm just getting started with it, but I've been doing a lot of sort of research and I talk about the whole storytelling is really as you start to understand how people think and what motivates people. And I started reading this book. I don't know if you can see it, but it says, start with the why. Mm, Everybody yes. talks about who they are, what they do, how they do it, but nobody really talks about why, or they articulate that very well. So as I'm starting to read this book and understand that if you start with your why, you give people a reason to believe in you and what you're doing. And it opens their mind to say, yeah, I believe that I'm, I can get on board with that. And it helps really just, I don't want to say sell people, but it's gives, it gets them to where you would like them to be so that they are involved with you or the, or your brand, whatever that is. And it's, I'm just really excited about this book. They're enrolled. You would get you get them enrolled in possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And the author is Simon Sinek. He's actually done quite a few TED Talks. You can Google the guy and you start seeing how this process works. 
And it, it takes some work. You, it's not like you're oh, just yeah. reading a book and you have an answer. It's you got to think about these things. And as a marketer, this is something that I'm definitely tuning into more is I just don't want to tell people who we are and what we do. It's like, give them a reason to believe and give them a reason to understand who we are and what we're all about. Wow. Cool. 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 And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Oh, advice. I would just say kindness. Just always be kind. It is something that there's just so little of in this world today, and it doesn't take a lot of effort. I think people just need to be kinder. (laughs) I love that. I did some growth work in the early 90s. And one of the things that I walked away from that particular work was, is that I wanted, my intent for myself was I want to be the kindest man that anybody ever met. You definitely are. So I do appreciate it. Thanks. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference out there for people. And it makes a difference in here as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I always love to talk about tools anytime. So I appreciate the opportunity. You bet. How can we get a hold of you? You can definitely get a hold of me. I'm on all these social media, just C Sabaris. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm Chris underscore IMS. There's a lot of great ways to connect with me, but also on LinkedIn is just C Sabaris. It's LinkedIn slash in C Sabaris, and you'll find me there. But I appreciate this opportunity a lot. You bet. And Corona is. Corona Tools is everything Corona Tools. So whether that's social, if you want to go to the internet to find it, our website is Corona Tools USA, and you can find us that way. Cool. And you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Corona Tools. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.